Welcome back to Restless, and I'm ready to rest, take a nap or something like that. Lauren brought some really good cookies, and so I'm having a sugar crash. Really? I think I need another cookie. Did we brew some coffee? There's a coffee maker. There right is there a coffee maker. Currently I don't disassembled. I actually don't drink coffee. That's me either. I shame. love. I love coffee. I drink decaf because I, I love coffee it. so much. Do you really? Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll do it every now and then, but Maybe. it's not like. It's so bitter and terrible. And I, just, I just spent the last <laughs> I just spent the last two weeks in Europe, and oh man, their coffee is so much better than our coffee. Really? Yeah. Do you have like the tiny little ones, the espressos? Or? Oh, all types of stuff. Well, in Switzerland, they do all different types of coffee. Okay. So they actually have something called coffee, which is like- <laughs> What is that? <laughs> which is like our drip coffee. Okay. But it's made under pressure. So it's made like espresso. It's just like a Lugero shot, like a long shot. Okay. Espresso, but with a lighter roast bean. Hmm. So there's that. So you're a connoisseur of coffee. No, no, no. I just like it a lot. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I use my Keurig brewer. I, mean, I have to say, I've never actually had an espresso in my life, nor have I had a cappuccino. And you lived in Italy for a year. Or, yeah, no, no. Mm. Neither have I. I've drunk. I've drank a lot. Never a had lot a cup of, of coffee. Of espresso. Never. Have you had like the the like the sweet coffee, like the stuff from Dunkin' Donuts? I still don't like that. No? People will say to me to try it. I do like that. And I'll, I'll say it still tastes like bitter coffee. I like it, but it's a girly drink. So I used I to get to, when I was like, not when I was in middle school. I used to get like an extra large Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee, extra light, extra sweet. Which is like four sugars and like this, yeah, like tons four of ounces of cream, like heavy cream. Yeah. So good. So good. I haven't had one of those probably. So you've been drinking coffee since you were in middle school? Not hot coffee. I didn't drink hot coffee until I started working, actually. Okay. Because I, I was tired. about to make a I was short joke. But... So tired. <laughs> no, I'm short. Coffee, I'm short coffee stunts your growth, from I'm, what I understand. I'm, I'm short regardless of how much coffee I drink. I'm still taller than my father. Oh, there you go. Who's taller than his father? Excellent. So your son going incrementally. Will be taller one than inch you. taller than me. <laughs> yes. Someday yes. you'll be a race of giants. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. so there's that. Well, I think that's oh, go ahead. I said there's that. There is no, that. we probably should move into our topic. Well, actually, this is the segue, right? Because being restless and needing rest is uh, one of the things that happens when you do a lot of ministry. Mm. Is that you get tired, right? From serving the church, serving the poor, serving others. And all three of us work a great deal in that. This is, by the way, Paul, Lauren, and, and I. Hi. And uh, <laughs> the, th- the three of us work in the church, right? I'm a priest, obviously. And Lauren runs a youth group, puts on dances, is on a young adult council. Yes. Right? And anything else you do? You do a bunch. I've... You're starting a dating club? No, how, how do you know? <laughs> dating sorry, club? <laughs> That's an interesting concept. How do, you, how do you put that? Me and all my single weirdo friends are doing a dating club, guys. I uh, know. Uh, so St. Cecilia's is working with Communio, a nonprofit to help parishes extend their reach into the community, extend their reach and help improve relationships within the parish. Because we know that when a husband and wife stay together and they continue to bring their children to Mass on Sundays, there is a much greater likelihood that when those children grow up, they will also continue to go to Mass. So Mm -hmm. we want good marriages to help foster the church, right? And just, you know, to help people because divorce is terrible. So... We're working with that nonprofit over there, and as part of this building healthy relationships, they're about to launch a series for married couples and for singles. And they asked me to assess two dating series programs, which I did. Um, it's kind of funny to me. I'm like, now I'm looking at dating courses, you know, like just another thing yes. that I'm doing for the church. Um, and you're running one. Yeah. So, you know, I suspected I would be asked to run the course and then I was so I'm just facilitating okay so it's a video series have you had has it started yet 
It is starting next week. Okay. So we're not sure how so many people pray are going to show up. But... And us. Uh, right, exactly. And I've been talking to people about it, and I even said to two, like, I can see the judgment on your faces. And then the person's like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I just called them out on it. Like, yeah, it's okay that this sounds weird and you feel uncomfortable. I, 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 when I first heard about it, I thought it was weird. Yeah, everyone will. That's natural. But if you yeah, but... actually look at the description of, of what it is about, um, it's like helping lead people in their relationship discernment in a logical and biblical way to kind of assess warning signs and um, learn this partner to see, is this a potential for a long-term relationship, specifically marriage? And how do you do that? Sure. How do, how do we know how to do that? I don't know. For some people, I think it's probably easier than others, but it seems like the course is going to have good information. It's it's so necessary. I actually just got a, a text a couple of days ago from a friend who sent me this article that the title of the article is um, The Matchmaker Priest Helps 270 Couples Find Love and All of Them Got Married. Wow. So apparently a priest uh, somewhere, I didn't, I hadn't read the, haven't read the whole article yet, but... Uh, Sounds like Father Andy circa 2016. Yeah, so, I mean, so clearly there's a real <laughs> there's a real need. <laughs> me, me neither. Oh, man. Me neither. I was not in that clique, though. I was never invited into that. I think I was too short. Uh, could be. No, could be, see? But I... Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of funny that now that you're saying that, like, I actually think since I was a kid, I have been listening to girls talk about things about boys that they liked and stuff. And I could always kind of see things, I think, a little more clearly than they could because I'm more logically oriented than emotionally oriented. And a Mm -hmm. lot of people are. And there are just, I think, a lot of silly girls that do take all these signs with a guy like this must mean this and it's like it doesn't mean anything if a guy likes you he will ask you out on a date it is that simple mm-hmm. if he stops talking to you then he is not into you it is so black and white with men and women just make it more than it is much grander because they're so hopeful yeah that's true although it's getting more and more rare for guys to ask girls out on dates i don't know if they just have fear or if it's you know, oh, it's fear of rejection. It's always or... been terrifying. Has it? Yeah. Because I, I have to be honest, the, the two relationships I had in high school, both of the times I made sure that the girl liked me first by asking like a third party. Oh, okay, right. so yeah, you but know? you still, okay, well, fine. That you you had a fear that you, oh, then, that yeah. you then found uh, just like a, 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 you solved that problem. I did. I had a sister yeah. who was like, hey, Kathy, go tell me if yeah, <laughs> Jessica likes go. me. Yeah. But even so if there you go. things should start, I think, in, well, ideally... You know, in a friend group, right? And then you start to talk to that person a little bit more one on one, and maybe you compliment them, and you just see, is she smiling when I give her a compliment? Yes, great. That's a good sign. <laughs> is she responding to me in, in what I'm saying? Great. That's a good sign. She hasn't yet slapped me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. <laughs> Sorry, my, my bar's pretty low, I guess. Pretty obvious, kind of. Yeah. Like, I think women make it pretty obvious. Like, okay. Yes, this... I'm responding to you in a positive way. You can ask me out. Mm hmm. Should we go from ministry to to dating episode part two <laughs> or part three or part four? I think we're overdue oh, yeah, for another dating episode. We are overdue. Yeah. I'm so down, that, guys. That's, I'm that's down. A, that'll be in the future. So, so far, this, future is our, this is our second tangent. Yes. Plug to Father Speaking Sam of and tangents. Matt Sparazza's show, The Tangent on Veritas Catholic Radio. Yes. If you've not heard The Tangent, save yourself. I mean, I mean, you should definitely go listen. It's excellent. <laughs> it it's is long good. form. It's long form. Uh, it is very good. Yeah. yeah. And they interview great people. Yes. Well, I can segue us. So, you know, (laughs) Father Joseph is bringing up something that I am doing. And 
I'm very fortunate that I have a friendship with a priest here in Stanford who has a great hall, Father Suarez, and he is always looking to do events. He really believes in community and bringing people together, and he's so giving. So he loves to plan and, you know, talk about the menu and food and prepare food and starting to cook because now he has a new commercial kitchen and he does all the decor in his hall. And, you know, he does a fantastic job. And through our relationship, actually, in youth group, because we see each other every Friday night, we just started talking because he wanted to throw a party. And so, of course, I responded because I have a background in events. It's what I like to do. And I'm organized and I'm good at it, you know? So like this is the talent skills that I have, so I'm happy to give them. Um, but it did kind of get to be a point where, you know, it seems like, okay, this is going to be about this much amount of work, right? Whatever it is. And then it becomes so much more, mm. and it always does. Mm -hmm. So I have felt weighed down and said, why am I doing all of this for the young adults, frankly? It's like a bitterness. Like it's, I guess I'm willing to give to a certain point or... I put on this event and there's so much that goes into it. And then like, I'm getting frustrated with how people are treating me, how things are going, like, or it's, it just never ends. It's like things that I think should, should happen. And then they don't. Right. So it just weighs me down more and more. And, and people that are givers and want to love and serve the Lord and the church often find that, that exhaustion in the middle of ministry, doing good things, but really just like stretched and even Paul, you're involved in a lot of different things. You yeah, I've I've taken a step back, so I, I kind of felt that. I also took a new job, and it's been kind of crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, I was involved with Crossroads for Christ, which is crossroadsforchrist.org. If you want to go find out more about it, but um, and we started the Stanford chapter. Three of us started the Stanford chapter of C4C back in um, August or September of 2017, and so I was involved, heavily involved with it for five years, and now more of an I call it like an unofficial advisory position. I've stepped down, but, um, but yeah, I mean that was used, that was used hard. To, you used to volunteer at youth group as well. Yeah, I did youth group. Well, I, I, I I'm on I'm on a semester hiatus because I'm I think I'm away every Friday. Okay. This, this spring, so That's it's going to be particularly difficult to get to youth group if I'm not here. As it turns out, um, you're also on the Dias and Young Adult. Yeah, Council. Young Adult Council with Lauren. We're on the council, and so we try to do party planning and coordinate things between the dais, the different dais and groups. Um, so that's been, that's been interesting. I think with, with ministry, I think it's always, there are ups and downs, especially in young adult ministry is kind of weird because people are transient. And so when I first got to Stanford, we had, we had St. John's flock, which was the young adult group at St. the Basilica of St. John. And that kind of, that was then terminated. Um, and it was a lull for a long time. And then when Father Andy came and he started to do Faith on Tap again, it started to rebuild. And then around 2017, 2018, is it, it, it cratered again. It was it was low. Like, there wasn't much going on. Really? Faith on Tap kind of emptied out a bit. Um, and then it kind of revived itself. Well, all Diane of a started a group, the Catholic Adventures. And that helped. That was part, that started, that started to pull things out, uh, again. So that was really helpful. So I think, and it can get frustrating. So with C4C, we started out with four people and then we grew to like 15 20 every week and then we went down to like six it was really shy how is and it now now it's like 15 to 20 every week great yeah good um which is great and so it's it goes in waves and so it can be frustrating i think that's the case with all ministry but i think it's just perseverance and prayer and um you know that if you have four people at an event like great you know wherever two are gathered in my name yeah, but that's frustrating though it can be that's frustrating as somebody who's done youth ministry for a very long time when you get low turnouts you kind of say, is it worth it? Because it's a ton of effort. Mm -hmm. It really is. And yeah, it makes it harder to plan too. 
Yeah. Like, you know. What games do you do certain, with four people? Yeah, like, there's certain activities wow. that require a group. And then we've had this happen, especially with the high school kid. Oh, and Paul just mentioned a game that I have brought to youth groups called WA. If you play Ultimate Frisbee, then you know what it is. I don't. It's just a silly, it's like a silly command game. I'll show you. Please do. We'll get the uh, Cardinal Kung team to play it. Okay. Maybe it'll finally catch on with these Stanford Catholic kids. I don't know. But, um, There's a lot of resistance. Um, yeah, because it requires you to be silly. But that's when kids like open up and have fun. It's actually like, really. We all want it. I when I recognized it's actually like a really cool group rhythm game. Then I was all about it because I'm yes. a drummer. Mm. Yeah, that is what it is. But so when you're finding that kind of exhaustion from ministry, or like being burnt out or frustrated, like what do you do? What do you, where do you turn? Just keep doing what you're doing, or yeah, that's what I did. I don't know if it worked out. I mean, I think it worked out because we persevered and it still exists. So. Um, but I think you have to have a good team too. I think you have to, it's a bit of, it's, it's humility also to recognize that one person probably can't do everything. And so building a, like a group of confidants to, to work with you is really important. Mm. And also you have to realize that I forget what the principle, it's, it's got a, like a formal name, but the 80, 20 principle is very true. It's the true in like nearly every aspect of, of the world where 80% of the work is going to be done by 20% of the people. If not less, oh, so it's like ninety-five. Five yeah, and so <laughs> and it's just like the eighty percent of the top best-selling books are written by twenty percent of the authors. It's like it's just it's just constant principle, and it, it's true, and you have to recognize that. And so, if you're willing to take a step in, which Lauren has done in in, in large in in a big way, I mean, there is a realization that that you're part of now the twenty percent that has to support the other eighty percent, and it's like, and that can be hard. So, how do you discern what to say no to, though? You know, because because it's true, especially as the church gets smaller and as young people, young adults get fewer and fewer, there's almost like more burdens placed on your shoulders. I mean, Paul was telling us earlier that he got invited to a uh, a reception for our mm. bishop's appeal. Yeah. Because there's not a whole lot of young adults out there that are generous and give. And so he singled out like, hey, we've got one. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, there was a few. Caught him in the fishnet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that there's, you know, there's... There's something there's something to that, and it's the same thing in donations too. Oh, actually, it's probably less, but in the church, really, twenty percent of people do eighty percent of the giving. Yeah, yeah, it's probably even more swayed. Um, but I think it's one of those things that you have to, if you're going to put in the effort. I think. Well, you asked about saying no. I think you have to evaluate your status in life, and obviously, if you have a wife and kids or a husband and kids, like you're going to be naturally more inclined to say no to things. Yeah. Some people are like power people and they just do everything and manage it and it's crazy and like I'm not that way. I'm too type A where everything has to be planned. Mm. So I can't deal with that degree of chaos. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, so there, there are people that can do that and that's great. We need those people. Um, and I think the, the rest, the other 80, and especially the church, the institution of the church has to really support these people, the 20% that are putting in the work. And I think there's a little bit of a... Yes, but I will say priests are in the same boat. Where it's yeah, like 80, 80 20, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And I think there's always this like, well, why don't you just do one more thing? You're already doing all this. We'll just do this. And it's like, and when you see somebody like really active, there's an, you're like, oh, that person can do it. They're really good at this stuff. Like, yeah. give them more, give but them more, give the them more. the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not and you have to say no. And then, you, and then you say no. Yeah. And it's disappointing, but that's okay. People can be disappointed if you say no. Yeah. Yeah. I've had to grapple with that. What do you, Lauren, do you struggle with that saying no? To good yeah, things. sure. I don't. I don't want to say no because well, for a while too, I was on a high. It's like I wasn't being asked to do anything. I I kind of came into the community in February of 2017. I didn't know that it was a lull. That back then, to me, I was like gaining all these Catholic friends that I've never had in my life. Um, and then 
for me, the turning point was after doing my first spiritual exercises in 2020 and coming back that June is when you asked me to be on Restless and the rest of the crew. Um, and that, that was like the first thing. And I was like, oh, I'm not Catholic enough for that. <laughs> you know, and I suggested you know. other people for you to ask in my place. And then it was you saying, no, I want you to be on it. And I said, oh, okay. I, I, in my heart, I know I desire to be on it. I'm just afraid. So I started doing it and it's been wonderful. And it just went from there, thing to thing to thing. So initially I was saying yes to everything because I felt like, these are all good things for God, and I'm serving the church. Um, but there is, I think, a discernment that should happen. And um, spiritual direction certainly helps me. You know, I said no to youth group initially because I thought I can't add another thing. Mm. It's impossible, and I didn't want to do it. And through direction, uh, I was told, like, no, this is this would be very good for you because of my nature. Um, to help me work on my patience, right? Um <laughs> Did, did the kids help you work on patience? Well, yeah, because at the time I was coaching at Cardinal Kong basketball. Mm. And the way that I approach coaching is like discipline and kind of order. Yeah. Um, and that's that's my nature. That's what I like. That's how I like to be coached. And I want to be on competitive, successful teams. So I that's that's what works for me and in ultimate. But that's not what worked for these kids. And, you know, it was like the first season of this team. And... Um, I mean, this happens all the time with kids. I've coached like sixth grade girls for years, but they don't listen to what you say and they do get silly and they start wrestling and on the side when you're like trying to yeah. <laughs> do a drill. And uh, I don't want to show the children my frustration, but there's also that dynamic like, well, I'm their coach, so I can discipline them, but it's a balancing act. And Antonia was clearly saying like, no, you need to just kind of back off and just have fun with these kids. That is not what this is about, like mm. this particular team. And she was right. And so I think she thought youth group for me would be a great way to grow in that. And I have I have a blast with the kids. I especially love middle school children. Like I just delight in like the conversations we have. Like I, I don't know. It's just great. Children are great. Um, so I ended up saying no to one other thing, right? I was like, actually, no, I, I cannot. I did have to say no. I was like struck, actually. Like, I felt horrible that I was going to have to say no because I already agreed to it. And I talked to my friend, Father Andy, about it. Like, I was very concerned to have to say no. Um, and uh, the person was very understanding and they appreciated that I realized I couldn't give it the time that it needed because mm. it was way more than what we had talked about and anticipated. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's always fear. And then you're reassured, right? Um, but yeah. there is a discernment process. So now I'm aware of like, what are the things I've committed to? And m usually for me, if I'm asked to do something, I kind of know right away, like, oh yeah, I want to do that. Like we talked about intercessory prayer on a previous episode where I was invited to do that. And there was like this buildup that led up to it. So I knew, I knew I could say yes. And I'm going to go to the next meeting and I expect that I'll do it again. Um, but I'm also trying now to take a step back and like, don't just respond right away. Give it a day, give it a couple days, actually go to prayer, just sit in adoration, mm. ask Jesus, you know, because we can't do everything. And if we do, that'll pull away from the things that we are already doing potentially. Mm -hmm. And the devil can win in that. Yeah. Like Lauren's called to do this, youth ministry, but we're also going to ask her to help with the pro-life movement, which I really want to do and I was invited to do. And I was praying at the Planned Parenthood and that was another step of like getting outside of my comfort zone. 
but I don't know that that is what God is calling me to right now. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I'm trying. I'm trying to follow. Because we don't want to get to that burnt out place that you're talking about that you, you mentioned, right? Where you feel so weighed down because then what will happen, you know, you abandon everything. And I really don't like that. I have yeah. felt like I've seen people leave things. I mean, not like I'm like, I know everything or something, but I have thought like, mm, they shouldn't be leaving that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a cop out. Like persist, even though it's hard or that it's well, that's, uncomfortable or whatever. That's one of the elements then to, to persist is having that prayer life. You know, and that's kind of the balance that we have to strike is between the active ministry and the, the relationship with Christ. Because that's where you get the, the f- source, the fountain yeah. of, of the strength to go on. I remember when we had a pretty big lull in C4C. It wasn't, yeah, I would say the lull probably was like 18. That was when it felt like the lull. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We had, a, we had this... Mission day for all the C4C leaders across the state were in New Britain, um, and we were all there. And we had this intercessory prayer, and I remember it was like it was the four of us at the time, the servant team, and it was like us four plus like four other people, and that was all of C4C Stanford. And there was a real discussion of is this chapter going to continue? Hmm. And it was kind of scary. I mean, it was we put a lot of effort into this, and just to see it kind of disappear was was kind of unacceptable. Like we weren't going to let it happen. I remember um, the wife of the leader of C4C, so uh, Santina Moran, she was saying, she, we had intercessory prayer groups, and she said, Lord, do, what, do your will in the Stanford chapter. Whatever it's supposed to happen, just let it happen, and mm. let us accept that. Hmm. And then things started to just turn around after that point. Yeah. It was, again, it's a humility. So I think going to prayer, and it's really important. And sometimes, you know... And, it, it, and we also have really high expectations of ourselves. At least us type A people, we have very high expectations of ourselves. But like, if something's not perfect or whatever, we also you also have to realize that it could still be good and not be perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what C4C Stanford was for many years. Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head about having to like be detached mm-hmm. somewhat from your ministry. Like if mm-hmm. we take too much of our identity from what we do for God, mm-hmm. that's not really our identity. It's not what we do, but who we are. Mm-hmm. And... And that's something as a priest, of course, being the priest is my identity. But, you know, this ministry or that ministry or, you know, whether I'm good at preaching or confessions or spiritual direction, whatever it is, like that, even if I fail in one certain area, I can't take that as, you know, an attack on my identity, which I think, you know, when you pour yourself into something like C4C or youth group, and you kind of maybe wrestle with that, you know, that if it fails, it's kind of like... It, I failed. I failed as a person, yeah, or I failed for God, like I didn't... You know, I didn't give God what he deserves or God doesn't. Sometimes things just come to an end, right? We're sitting in the building of a former Catholic school. And a present that Catholic has school. ended. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's changed. And now, it's changed hands. It's actually yes. the, third, it's the third iteration. It is the third iteration yeah, of the yeah. school, yeah. Okay, so there you go, right? And we don't always understand it. Like, it may seem horrible if C4C were to end, but maybe there's something else that would be coming right around the corner. Yeah. We just don't know yet or, yeah, yeah. Well, who who knows? That's something we as Catholics have got to come to grips with, the fact that, you know, our institutions are not the church. Like, this parish or this school doesn't have to survive for our faith to survive, mm. you know? Because I know you're from Hartford, Paul, the Archdiocese yeah, the, of Hartford. The Archdiocese of Hartford. The Archdiocese of Hartford. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they do a significant, had a significant parish closure situation a few years ago. Now every town is at one parish. Yeah, and there used to be a bunch, right? I mean, in your town of Cheshire. We had three. You had three. Well, one, one closed. They sold to a Coptic Orthodox church. It was kind of cool. Uh, that, that's that's kind of cool, cool, actually. Yeah. It didn't just get... Stay and in the, one of them... Stay in the family. Yeah, kind of. 
Yeah. Uh, separated Stra- brothers, but family, yeah. Um, and then the other one is still, the other church still exists, but it was merged in with the main, they had to get like one mass a week or something. I don't even know why they keep the building. It's ugly as, as, as could be, but. Well, I mean, when that, when that happened, was there, you know, tears and wailing and gnashing of teeth? No. They... Oh, that's no. good. Yeah. I think when, when Epiphany was sold, when Epiphany closed and it was vacant for a long time, then they sold the building or they rented it out. I don't know how they did it, but, um, there was, there was some. There was a lot of backlash there because one big, huge, gigantic Irish Catholic family was the bedrock of that church, mm. and then it had to close, and that was kind of sad. Yeah. We had already moved out, out of that church though, to the big church, which still exists. So, But in Southington, Connecticut, which is just one town north of Cheshire where I grew up, they had five or six parishes, and they were all merged into one. And then New Haven Oof. had 13 that were all merged into one. Oof. Well, 13 original, and then it had been merged down to like seven or something, and now it's one. Yeah. But there's, I mean, so sad. none of that it's is sad, yeah. our faith, though. It's sad, but I mean, well, the you know. church is declining, sadly. Yeah, and I, uh, it, I really don't like, you know, when church buildings have to be sold or church property, because I think it's very important that the Catholic Church, is this correct, has like the most property in the world. Probably that we keep yeah. it, because there are forces of good and evil, and the evil is coming. Like we know that, you know, very the second true. coming, and I think the. The land that we have is actually very important. I agree, but only to a point, because I think that sometimes our property holdings can get in the way of being a poor church that's flexible, because I think the church is going to look very different in the future in 10, 15, 20 years. You know, I mean, in the, in the early church, it was house churches. Mm. You know, it was communities that could pick up and move at a, at a, a moment's notice, and and we're not there yet, thankfully. You know, we still have church buildings and everything, but the church is the people. Yeah, but 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 there is. I mean, I would say that the um, a great ministry for the church is the beauty of the church. All yes. the sculptors and the craftsmen and all that that build our church, our beautiful church buildings. Well, that used to build beautiful church buildings. <laughs> it's hard to find one these days. That yeah, in the past hundred years or maybe seventy years, that's beautiful. But or what I would consider beautiful. Um, any case, so that there there is a ministry there, and um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think it. I think it's important. I'm kind of in the middle. I, I don't like the church things being closed. And we had, what, eight Catholic schools in Stanford that were all closed and merged. And yeah, it's sad, but yeah. It I, is, I do, I do but... see both sides. And I, I do, and like we always talk about the church is in decline, which is true statistically, but also where the church isn't in decline, it's flourishing. Yes. So we always have to remember that. Like Diocese of Bridgeport has lots of issues, whatever. The church is very, is amazing here. And I think we forget that, that we live here. This is a very rare community we have in Diocese of Bridgeport. It is. And it, it's, it's, and then you have places like Steubenville and areas around Wichita, Kansas. And then like, and most of the third world. Yeah. And know, then, oh, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking very much like the Western world. Yeah. You know, we have these areas that actually are flourishing and if we have to support those and then make new areas that are flourishing. So we have to remember that, that it's not just all bad. Well, that's almost Benedict option. A little if bit. You, if you've read that book. I have. It's uh, he, he makes the point that, you know, as Rod Dreher. as Rod, Rod Dreher, great book. I really love it. Yeah. And it talks about how when the Roman Empire was falling to pieces, St. Benedict knew he could not change the culture at large. It was just too much. It was too much on a decline. So instead of changing the culture, he formed his own subculture of forming a monastery. It's kind of a small enclosed place to continue learning and culture and, and art and all of that. And so that when everything fell to pieces, people could turn to the monasteries for support and security and mm-hmm. keep the faith alive. And so as 
and I believe we're way too far gone as a culture to ever recover like the general American culture. We can't get back to 1950, which is not going to happen, right? I mean, so we form these pockets, right? Yeah. These solid. Do you think it's a positive thing? What? The Benedict's form, the formation of Benedict Option communities, which is happening. Yeah. Slowly. Is that a positive thing for society at large, though? Because um, the more we take ourselves out of society, right? the more we minister to our people, our current people, talk about ministry, and less to being evangelical in evangelical ministries, the less that there's evangelical ministry. Um, I don't know that that's the case, though. Because... I don't know. I don't know. I, I th- maybe. I think a Benedict Adoption community, like the school here at Cardinal Kong Academy, or like you know, C4C, is open to the wider community, right? So if there yeah. was somebody that had the hunger of you know mm-hmm. being a young adult Catholic who wants to find Christ, well, there's an option there. Yeah. The, the issue is that so many of our Catholic institutions have become indistinguishable from the culture. They're not yeah. truly Catholic, and, right? And, yeah. I would actually... So I don't think what you said before in terms of ministry is 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 exactly right. I think there's some... So I do think that, especially with things like the abortion issue, with what's going on with the transgender stuff, we don't have to get into it, I think that the church, and not necessarily the institution of the church, but the people within the church, the Catholic church in particular, but also other Christian denominations especially, um, have been a huge force for good and change in those particular regards, have been crying, the voice crying out in the wilderness, so to speak, for those particular issues. And I do think that there has been movement there. There has been hearts and minds changed on that. So, well, yeah, and that's coming from, and that's coming from, well, the... To your prior point, that's coming from these really strong Benedict Option communities. So, right. like when you say that the, the the culture is gone, I'm too optimistic to think that it's completely gone. I still think we can change hearts and minds. Yes, but on an individual basis, not on a grand scale. Like I don't foresee anything possible tr- with God. Anything is possible with God, but I don't see you know the transgender movement or the the LGBT movement being moved back. To sexual where it was before. revolution. Right, the sexual revolution sex is not going to go away. Now that it's and so blatant. It's just I'm more and more blatant. I, on, I, I don't know. I think there's... On TV, know. on YouTube, I've, music videos, award shows, like the, yeah, the, the way the women are But dressed. I look at I look at the trends of the of not even Gen Z, it's whatever, Gen Alpha, I think they're calling it, whatever the generation comes after Z, and they're the, they're the, they're the, they've become like the, the result of the sexual revolution, kind of the, the, uh, the opposite of it. Like they're the they're they're the good part. Like they didn't they didn't they're there. So that means they're not part of this, like as part of the sexual revolution. And you can see the trends on what's happening with these kids and what they're exposed to and what they're rejecting. Some, some, and some, it's, it's more than the prior generations, which yes. is yeah. So we don't know. Well, Be like optimistic the, because there's I think a there's, hope. There is a hope. There's always a deep desire in every human heart to rebel. And maybe a little like bit, you know, if, uh, and that's we fine. pulled back on the phones, you know, that that also I think is hold hugely important. Phones. Well, that's yeah. the key because now kids, yeah. you know, who get phones in middle school and high school, yeah, it's too or like young. second grade, yeah, it's it's way too young, and then they're on social media sites and they can access pornography, yeah, it's which terrible. is frightening, right? And it's happening. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm hopeful. And being influenced by. You are hopeful. Weird. I am. People. I mean, the, the, the symbol for the symbol for hope is an anchor, right? Like, if you go into a church and you see an anchor, think hope. Right. And so, because you have to be anchored in that. Like, if we don't have hope, we don't we don't have much. Yeah. It's not blind hope. No, it's not blind hope. And I, and I just think that, you know, our hope is, is that Christ is going to come again and set things right. Yeah. I don't know that our efforts can do it. That's... 
That's where no, but that's we have we to. Disagree. We have to work. We have to do God's work, though. On, we do on Earth, and we so do like, because of each individual soul, not because of the culture at large. Like I teach confirmation class, not expecting that sixty-five kids are going to come to Christ. I do it for that one kid. That's who's, fine. Who's there? Who yeah. comes to Christ? You know, and sometimes it's all you got. Yeah. But the other sixty-four, you know, are going to head down a tough path that's away from the Lord. Sometimes, I mean, God, God's grace works in mysterious ways, and they'll come back or whatever, you know, what? Yeah. who knows, know. but... Yeah. But I do think the culture is important. I don't think we should disregard the culture. And different people have different callings. Mm. Some people are called to engage the culture, engage politics, engage, yeah. you know, journalism and all this, these things and, and the arts. Yeah. No matter what you do or what your ministries are, it is very important to maintain a prayer life. That's the key. That is absolutely the key. So if you're saying, I don't have time for prayer... Because I'm too busy with all these things that I'm doing. You've got it wrong. Right. You know what St. Francis, Francis de Sales said? <laughs> he said, you know, every Christian should do a half an hour of meditation every day unless you're busy. And then you should do a full hour. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's like the biggest gift that a pastor can give to his parishioners is to take a day off or something like that. Yeah. And to take a retreat, especially to yeah, reconnect retreat, with yeah. Christ. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. If we don't maintain that relationship... Uh, most of us, I think, will probably just become lost. It's so important yeah. to keep that as a foundation because he's living in us, he's working through us. So if we abandon that, he is not able to do that to the same way and then we will not be able to give and serve in the same way. There right. will be a decline in our ministries. And it's not your words that bring a young person to Christ. It's not your efforts that bring someone else to God. It's, it's God who does it. And that requires humility. Yeah. We like to think we're awesome and like, look what I did. Yeah. No, we're just a channel. Yes. A pencil in the hand of God, said Mother Teresa. Mm. We have to be in the hand of God. Yeah. Look what we did. We just recorded a podcast, aren't we awesome? <laughs> <laughs> I hope this is in the hands of God. And thank you for bringing this to a conclusion because we do have to sign off at this time. But thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find us on 1350 AM and 103.9 FM. And join us wherever you find your podcasts. God bless and see you next time.